Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Near and Queer to My Heart podcast. I'm your host, Amanda G. I'm so happy to be bringing you our seventh episode. Our podcast is all about getting to know queer performers. I love seeing queer performers share a piece of themselves on stage, and it always leaves me wanting more. So we were hoping by doing this podcast, we're bringing you the more. I'm excited for this episode where we were lucky enough to speak with New Orleans comic, poet, musician, storyteller, all-around great guy, Xander Billick. And after his interview, stay tuned for a hilarious clip of one of his Greetings from Queer Mountain performances. So let's get to it. This is Xander Billick. Hi. Hey, Xander. Like, hi. Like, hi, how are you doing? I'm like, fine. How are you even doing? I'm good. I'm good. Xander, how long ago did you move to New Orleans? Uh, I'm, that was my fourth Mardi Gras, so it was uh, three years ago, December. Awesome. Yeah, so I had started doing comedy like, maybe six months before that, and then came to town. And I, at the time, I was like, man, I'm like, I got like, I'm the only gay comic here. Like, I, <laughs> I thought I was. And then you came, and you, had, and you had all these jokes, and I was like, fuck this dude. <laughs> but then I met you, and I was like, oh, you're so awesome. Like, I can't hate you. We can, uh, yeah, there's, there's room for two. <laughs> Where'd you come from? Uh, I moved here from Minneapolis, Minnesota, because it's cold there, and I didn't like it cold. Yeah, no, I've been to Minneapolis. I got, um, when I was there, I just remember getting a pizza that they put mashed potatoes on top of. Yeah, that's okay. Is that a thing that you guys do? Is, is that just there? Is that a Minneapolis thing? I mean, there's some weird pizza places there. They had a lot of weird pizza places, and I was like, why do I need potatoes on pizza? But also, I ate the whole fucking thing, and it yeah. was so good. Yeah, it's good. I like that one. I don't like the uh, places that do macaroni and cheese on pizza. I've not had that. Is it? Yeah, no, it's kind of sounds good. <laughs> I mean, you're like stoned, and I feel like, that sounds good, and it's not. Yeah, it might be like, oh, this was a good idea, and the next morning, I'm like, that was a terrible idea. No noodles on pizza. Are you from, were you born in Minneapolis? Yeah, I was born, I was from Stillwater, Minnesota. I lived out in the country growing up, like raised goats. I lived on a goat farm. Not really like a goat farm, but we had horses, stuff, a duck, one duck. One duck. We had a duck, one duck. He had lots yeah. of goats, but one duck. Yeah, lots of goats, one duck. Uh, the, the duck went swimming in the winter and it froze to death. Which, I, that's why I moved, you know. I thought, you know, like, that's, I'm going to go the way of the duck. Achieve the dreams that the duck never made it to. I love swimming. So was it a goat farm? Was that what your parents did? Or no, no, just... no. It was a hobby farm where oh. they just had some goats, you know. They just liked goats. We had these uh, twin sister goats, and they, had, they never breastfed. They never knew their mother. Like, we got them the day they were born. And they were twin sisters, and they were, you know, they were a couple. And they never knew the other exist- the existence of other goats in the world. And they 
thought they were the only goats ever, and then they, they grew into like cute old goats. Their names were Spaz and Daffy. And uh, when uh, Daffy died, Spaz was then the only goat in the world, and she was very sad. Oh, yeah, until, one, until one day she rebonded because her life partner is gone. She rebonded with my dog. Oh. And then the goat and the dog would walk around together and they would graze. So my dog would eat grass with the goat and then they'd headbutt each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> the like, I'm a goat. I'm a goat. That's super cute, actually. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with, uh, more along the where the red fern grows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> we're going to have to have one of these moments. We just started this. So you grew up in the country. What was it like? I, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs, so I have the opposite experience. Yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't like super rural. I mean, like, you know, it was probably like five miles out of town, you know, it was, you know, more close to the suburbs, but, you know, it was kind of isolating. There were, you know, there were kids around, but mostly I had three brothers and, you know, you know, there was someone on the street of like all my brother's ages, but I kind of didn't really have a lot of friends like in my grade around. So I was, you know, I was kind of like this lonely, weird kid, just, you know, but it was like a great place to develop an imagination, you know, like walking around and just making up stories all the time. It's kind of like the beginning of just like being a writer, kind of like creating like all these worlds, you know? Yeah, no, that's really awesome. Grew up there. Did you, you graduated high school, same, like you were in the same house your whole life? Yeah. Moved around. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, we moved out to the country when I was, uh, like, seven or eight. Yeah, I went to Stillwater High School, graduated from there, then moved to Minneapolis right the fuck away out of high school. (laughs) So you were, like, bye, mom and dad, I'm 18, I can do what I want. I'm out. I'm queer, I'm not here. Um, (laughs) Were you you out (laughs) Get used to it eventually. No, you know, when did they, when did that happen? See, I, I never tried to hide it. I was never like, are we getting into the out story yet? Anytime, anytime you want. Because for me, it happened at 23, so I first oh, yeah. got the fuck out of town, and then went to college and had a whole awesome time there, and then was like, oh, I'm gay, and now I will come out and have this whole other experience. But a lot of other people, it happened much younger or much older, you know. Yeah, times. no, I was I was never really in the closet, I guess. I mean, like, I, you know, like in junior high, I, you know, like had a couple girlfriends for like a week where we'd hold hands or whatever, but it was never, you know, as soon as they wanted to make out, I was like, I don't know. I'm <laughs> just so nervous. It's, just, it's a big step for me. Uh, yeah, so I was, you know, like I was out you know, fully out when I was 15. I didn't, like, never told my parents, but I didn't think, I didn't hide it from them, so I kind of thought they knew. I wasn't really keeping it a secret. I remember my uh, my mother, my friend Dawn is spending the night, and my mother, we weren't even doing anything, but uh, my mom comes to my room, and we were spooning. Oh, and, uh, that's so cute. So she, so she bought me a bigger bed. <laughs> she was kind of in denial. She's like, she sees him. She's like, oh, I got him a bigger bed, so when he sleep over, you have more room to sleep. <laughs> That's such Thanks, a mom solution. <laughs> such a mom solution. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Instead of talking about the thing, we'll just get you a bigger bed, and you'll understand this message. So, so like I, you know, and my whole like, you know, my extended family like knew I was gay, like my aunts and everything. So I assumed that my parents did, but then. They really didn't know until like my senior yearbook there was a picture of me and my ex at prom and <laughs> they, when you went to prom did they know like no i mean they wouldn't have like really paid attention to you know it wasn't like oh this is my prom date and where were you in the line with your brothers like you're the oldest, Se- there's second. three brothers has the second, second okay brother. and then there's 
two of the two middle kids are gay. Yeah, he didn't come out until after high school. I was kind of like, you know, I always knew he was gay, so I was like, I'm just gonna, you know, because I was like a punk, I didn't give a shit, you know, so in high school, I'd just be like, yeah, I'm fucking gay, what are you gonna do about it, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like, because I knew he was, and I knew he was gonna have a harder time with it. But now you guys are both out, both living oh, life. Yeah. Is he still in, in He's Minnesota? in Minneapolis, yeah, he has a, a husband, and... Oh, wow, locked it down. Yeah. <laughs> So you were in Minneapolis, you left high school, you went to Minneapolis, working, school, performing. Yeah, so, you know, like, yeah, just kind of being like a punk in Minneapolis for a little while until I started, uh, but I, you know, then I figured out I wanted, you know, I grew up playing the piano and it was really the first time, and I was, you know, I was, I'd done performing, I did theater in high school, I had like a theater background and like, you know, took piano lessons since I was six years old until I, you know, all through high school and... Yeah, I just kind of, like, once I realized, I think the first time I took acid, <laughs> can I say that on here? I don't know. Yeah, you can say um, whatever you want. The first time I took, yeah, the first time I took acid, I looked at my keyboard, my piano, and I was like, I realized I could take this chore that I had to do my whole life and, like, kind of, but then do what I want with it, you know? Like, I loved, loved Tori Amos and, like, that kind of, like, rock and roll piano, like, the, that psychedelic, like, ferocious thing she does with it. Like, I remember hearing her and just thinking, like, wow, this is, like, the church instrument I'm playing that she's, like, doing something crazy with. And then when I was, like, tripping and I realized that I could do that, it was the first time I was able to really, like, sit down at the piano and play my, like, move my hands independently and sing at the same time. And just kind of like divide the sections of your brain that like control your left and right and able to like do it all at once without like thinking of time that much. And it just kind of opened up this instrument for me in like this whole new way. And that's when I really started songwriting and becoming a... I know we're talking about like how I'm a comedian now, but yeah. this gets... The... No, this no, is no, what no. I was doing before that. You know? it's all of your performer life is, you know, sometimes it's just about like just getting on stage for the yeah. first time and realizing, you know, like in my day job, not my comedy job, like I have to get up in front of lots of people all the time and talk. And that gave me that confidence in yeah. doing that. And then I'm like, to me, an audience, you know, wasn't the scary part of stand-up for me. It wasn't like being yeah. in front of the audience. It was... Uh, having these jokes that I think are funny be told out loud where they make sense to other people and they're actually funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've been an actor and a musician and a poet and now a comedian. I I mean, there's there's still, like, a lot of it's the same. Like, like I think it's, it's this uh, just kind of transformation where you take the stage and it become like this, you, you take on this muse and it just kind of takes over your body. Like, that's, that's the rush I get, and that, like, kind of, po like, anything I do, I think has, like, the poetry behind it, if it's comedy or actual poetry or music, and that, like, just taking on, you know, not being someone else, but taking on, like, this extra, the energy of, like, the, like, letting the performance move through you, like, like being that vessel for it, but I don't think there's a difference between any kind of performance as far as that side of it. Like how, like you're, uh, the medium you're using, like, like, like kind of are you, you know, it's like the difference between acrylics and watercolors or whatever, doing collage, you know? Yeah. And you play around with that a lot. Like you have, you host a show where you start off by playing piano mm -hmm. and you have, I know you have at least one bit where you actually have pre-recorded like God talking to you and yeah. you're like, Oh God, is that, it's me, Xander. And then, you know, God, <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for everybody, but it's definitely like, like you're taking this medium and you're kind of just playing around with it and you know, whatever way you feel like you're a vessel. And I think that's really cool to do that. I think it's very brave too. Cause I'd be scared, especially I always, when you 
do that, I'm like, the timing would stress me out so much because it's pre-recorded. Yeah. And it has to line up, but you do it so well. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the, the hard part about that is that I do have it pre-recorded, so God is talking to me, and, and I know exactly how much time there is between each of every time God talks, but sometimes, like, if the audience is laughing hard, you know, you, you can't, you know, if, if you're doing just material, just you and a mic, you, you know, you wait for the audience to, like, quiet down enough before you start the next bit, but you really have to keep going with it so it can really step on the next part. Did you start in Minneapolis doing stand-up? Yeah. I was, I, I had a band for a long time called Three Nuns and a Gun. It went through different incarnations. First it was uh, me and two guys, and then it was me and two other guys. But then, like, the really solid formation of the band was uh, me and uh, two lesbians. <laughs> it was the be- I was playing piano and singing with a drummer and a bass player. And we, you know, we did that for a long time and played, you know, we would play uh, the Minneapolis Pride every year, just all over Minneapolis and, you know, a couple of road shows. But, yeah, we, I mean, that was, that was my baby forever. Like, that was my reason for going, you know, and I loved it. And then, but, you know, like, you know, eventually it disbanded just because... A lot of time went by and I was kind of like no I had started stand up already before no I don't know yes no 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 yeah no okay what year is it <laughs> um, no I had started no the band you see I was running sound at a club in Minneapolis at the Hexagon Bar I was the main sound engineer and they started having a monthly comedy open mic hosted by Raina May and Jen Shaw called Kill It. And I, you know, I had always wanted, you know, I was a comedic writer. I'd gone to school for creative writing. It was very, you know, like I wrote fiction that was very comedic and that's something I always wanted to do. I really had no idea what, you know, like how to do stand-up though. Like I didn't know there was like a scene where people do open mics, you know, like I didn't know how it worked. (laughs) I didn't know where you start doing stand-up. I just knew it was something that people do. So yeah, really no idea like how the open mic thing worked. And then when they had it come and I was running sound at the venue so when it came to my stage you know it's my stage and stage I, my band had played on there like a million times and that I you know manage every night so I was like a place I was really comfortable so like the first night they had it I was like can I sign up and the host being like oh yeah there's always like you know the staff member that thinks they want to try stand up or really has no idea what they're doing and just kind of makes a jackass out of themselves she's like yeah sure if you want but then like the first time I got up since I was like so comfortable with that stage and had really been planning and wanting to do it for a long time I was really prepared and you know so I didn't suck my first time (laughs) which was a good feeling how long did you prepare for that I prepared like six months before I went up I was all I did was comedy. I listened to it all day. I went to every open mic. I was like one of those creepers. I was like at the mic but didn't talk to anybody. Just had to wait till I felt comfortable doing that. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... Like when I... I probably found out, I don't know, like a week or two before that that show was going to happen. And... But I had kind of like years of like thinking about if I ever did stand up what my jokes would be. So I had a lot of that, you know, and then... uh, And just some stuff going on that I wanted to talk about. And really not knowing what to expect at a comedy open mic, never, you know, maybe I'd been to one before in my life. Yeah, it kind of, you know, changed my world. And then, I mean, then, at, but at that point, so that's the only show I would do. I would run Soundford like once a month, and that would be when I would do comedy. And I would just remember looking forward to it so much, like every Aww. month. I never really branched out of that. I think I did like one or two other mics the entire time I was in Minneapolis. But that was just for, that was the last year I lived there. And then, you know, I was really needing a fucking change of scenery, so that's when I moved to New Orleans, 
And then when I moved here, I was I still wasn't doing it super regularly, you know, like I was doing it more. I think the very first mic I did was Siberia, and then I did 12 Mile. And I would go, you know, I started doing it like once a week, and then it wasn't, you know, I went from one relationship to another, all that stuff happened, and, you know, for a while I was kind of like an introvert, like kind of, I was kind of shut in for a while, not doing it a lot. And then it wasn't really until last year, like last April, that people had encouraged me, like, you need to go to more mics. We wanted to see you at more mics. Like, you're really funny. You need to do it more. And just having that push and having, like, friends be like, like, oh, like, everything's so far away, you know? Like, we can't get there. Like, I'll give you a ride. And people, like, offering me to, like, drive me to Carrollton Station. Like, it was really, like, Eric Hollaback and Xander Forrest and... I know those yeah. guys are kind of, you know, like, they're, they, they're pretty intense personalities. I love those boys. And some people, you know, they were so helpful to me. And Byron Broussard and Keegan Connell, like really encouraging me to like be out and doing comedy more. That's great to hear that because a lot of scenes Mm. don't have that same camaraderie, you Mm. know, and uh, people say that a lot about the New Orleans scene. I don't know because I've never like truly been part of another scene. Um, I know like I've been in LA and done a lot of comedy, Mm -hmm. like trying to do comedy there and there's scenes, there's just so many people and there's, I feel like there's so many different scenes there, but we have one scene and we're, we see each other multiple times a week and none of us are trying to pull each other down, you know, we're always trying to support support each other. So it's always really cool to, to hear that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I was like. It's my family. (laughs) It's like, oh, God, I just want to be around people I like. Where's the comedy at? (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I go to shows like I'm not booked on just because I want to, number one, I want to support all the shows. And number two, it's like, these are my friends, you know? Like, these are, I spend a lot of time with with everybody. I know, it's great, yeah. I see you everywhere, though. I see you at uh, karaoke all the time. I see you pop up everywhere. (laughs) Why New Orleans? Like, had you been here before? Yeah, once for, like, two days. And, you know, something like one of those magical things that just kind of stuck with me and just kind of always felt that, like, calling here, like, I'm a witch. Like, it felt like, I felt just like the, kind of like the, mystic energy of you know like coming here and and i think one of the huge things you know being queer here was so different than minneapolis where it's like i can be weird here like gay in minneapolis is more like wear this like polo shirt you got from target kind of thing where you go to the bar everyone's kind of homogenized and looks the same i've gotten voted like a most gay friendly city in, in the u.s but it's like yeah for like a very specific type yeah, no, New Orleans has always been super friendly. And we, you know, we don't only just have pride, we have decadence, we have, um, you know, tons of uh, bars and nights and good Easter. opportunities. Gay Easter. Gay Easter parade, <laughs> yeah. I'll never make it to that one, though. Oh, it's fun. Actually, I mean, last year I had so much fun at it. What's your, uh, do you have a joke writing process or do you kind of just go up there and have an idea that you of what you want to say or I think my joke writing process really happens in the shower <laughs> I know I don't look like a shower a whole lot but it's you know but no it's a thing like um yeah I, I kind of I, I rehearse in the shower I don't write things down really you know I know that's maybe it's a flaw of mine but you know I come up if I, my theory is if I don't remember it then it's not worth doing so I, I have an idea, like just scenario or, you know, if I'm working and, you know, it's just like things just kind of pile up, like whatever happens at work. But 
yeah, no, I, I kind of, I have a funny concept or just something that I want to talk about. And then like, I'll, you know, I'll pace around, you know, I, I write on my feet. I'll like walk in a circle all the time, you know, or take a shower and just like talk it and just talk it out. And it just kind of comes out before, you know, and then like 10 minutes before I'm supposed to go up all of a sudden, like other things like pop into my head and I just, you know, like, you know, bring it to the open mic and see how it works. Yeah, I've stepped out of the shower to, to tweet something that I thought while yeah. I was in the shower. I'm like, what am I doing? But You're I've right also it. not stepped out of the shower and then forgotten what it was and, it, like, kicked myself all day being like, I thought it was funny and maybe it wasn't and it wasn't worth it, but maybe it was and that was, like, the one gem that was going to be my yeah, signature. Yeah. I know, it's a... And... <laughs> see, I don't know. People sit with their notebooks a lot and, like, are... I have to think... I think part of it is just like I've done a lot of theater and like memorizing like whole scripts so it's like memorization comes really easy to me so it's not about like I'm going to forget it it's more you know just yeah I mean sometimes I guess I I'll be like biking around or something and all of a sudden be like oh wait I had this bit I used to do all the time I totally (laughs) I haven't done it forever why don't I use that anymore but and I love it but that's kind of good too when like you forget about things and they come back to you Oh, yeah, definitely. Have you ever had any experiences with hecklers? You know, I haven't. Not some. I mean, only at... Where was... Uh, there was a mic that happened for just a second. It was in Mid-City. Didn't last very long. The one, the brunch mic? No. Okay. They had this. So. Uh, they had this brunch mic at Bank Street Bar, and it's like a local bar, so yeah. there would be this one guy who's been going to the bar like for 50 years. Maybe that was it. Yeah. And he'd sit at the end of the bar just screaming. Just yelling to himself the entire time, even though this whole mic was happening, and some comics tried to address it, and some people tried to be like, "Hey, dude, like maybe you know, go outside and yell." And the bartenders were like, "No, this is basically his bar because he's been here longer than you." But it could be that one. That one was also weird because it was during the daytime and it was like, yeah, light, very light outside. Yeah, yeah, maybe that was it. No, but I don't think so. But maybe. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I did have one one funny one. Well, not funny, funny to me. I mean, it was kind of like a milestone for me uh and cory mack uh, his mic his uh opera old opera house yeah in the french quarter you know it's and it's such a hot mess of a fucking room to do i'm tourists. assuming tourists yeah all tourists you know people you bring in off of bourbon street everyone's wasted and giant fish bowls full of alcohol yeah and yeah. huge ass beers as they call them mm-hmm. and then you know having to like do comedy for them never know you know who the hell you're gonna get but so i did so uh yeah someone called me a faggot and they left <laughs> oh wow i was like wow that's never happened <laughs> so you and, responded and then, right away and then yeah he did, but he left and i was like he's gonna walk farther down bourbon street and he's like almost getting to where all the gay bars are <laughs> <laughs> they call it the gay triangle there's uh three bars on bourbon all gay bars and they make a nice little mm-hmm. gay triangle that straight men sometimes get trapped in <laughs> yeah it's like where does he think he is <laughs> <laughs> i always wonder because I've, I've had some experiences where people just talk to me they're not heckling they're just they think they're helping the show and a lot of people do think oh i'm gonna help the show by participating and I always, like, wonder everybody's, like, way of handling that. Because some people are, like, I'm on the attack. And some people kind of welcome it. Um, because it just, it makes them feel connected to the audience. Yeah. I've heard, I just, I haven't really experienced too much of it, I guess. I don't know why. But I know with, like, being a queer comic, and I know a lot of your comedy, and my comedy, too, is about being queer, mm-hmm. that you're putting that out there. And you're putting yeah. that out there to some people that might not want to receive it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got another Corey Mack show. He did, we went to uh, Mandeville, 
and I, I was kind of nervous, like going out to the suburbs and, you know, like across the lake and Louisiana. And I didn't know how I was going to get received at all. And it's at a sports bar and it was just a bunch of like football bros. And I, you know, I was nervous about, but I, you know, I did it. And then afterwards, and you know, it, it was, you know, like most people are like watch, you know, they're not really there. They weren't really there for the show, but you know, there were some people in the front that, you know, sat up front and were really engaged and really loving it and not really like, you know, being able to gauge the rest of the room's like kind of response to it. But uh, this guy like comes at me afterwards and I'm thinking like, oh no, I'm oh, going to get gay bashed in trouble. This is not but where he came I want to die. <laughs> but he, get, he, then he, he came at me and I'm thinking like, oh no. And he goes, dude, you're fucking hilarious. I'm like, oh cool. Thanks for this bump. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Like I had one guy come up to me and he's like, I don't get half of your lesbian jokes, but you're funny. Yeah. Like, you're not, like, just for lesbians. Like, I, I tell jokes that I, hopefully everyone can understand. Yeah. But it was still a nice... I took it as a compliment. That I was remember, a bad rouge. I remember being really nervous the first time I did Queer Mountain, wondering actually how... Because I'd never really performed for other queer people before. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how, you know, it's funny. I was like, I know what I do is funny to straight people because, you know, they it's foreign to them. But, like, how is it going to relate to other... Queer people. I've never. I, I do actually have a much better time with queer audiences now. I've realized. Yeah, I've been nervous about that too because things that are stereotypes that that are funny to straight people might like. I have a lot of jokes about softball or yeah. you know a joke about the Spice Girls and maybe someone who you know is like yeah no we get it like lesbians like softball versus like an audience that they don't hear that that often. Yeah. Even like there's a joke. I don't know if you ever heard it. It's like what does a lesbian bring on a second date? U-Haul? U-Haul, yes. U-Haul. I thought everybody knew that. Oh, yeah. So many straight people don't know that. Oh. And I, like, make a U-Haul, you know, I'm like, oh, because there's a, I thought I wrote it, but I didn't, I looked it up, but I didn't write it. But basically, like, the lesbian grinder is the U-Haul app, <laughs> essentially. And I, like, well, I looked it up, but whatever, it's not, I can't take credit for it. Um, but I was trying to tell a few people that, and they're like, I don't get it. Yeah. And I had to explain the whole thing, and they're like, oh, lesbians do move in fast. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's why we call it a you all. Yeah, it's, it's funny finding out what straight people don't know about it. Like, what, uh, pig bot, pig, straight people, uh, talking to straight people that didn't know what pig bottoms were. <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't have, straight people should have pig bottoms, I think. <laughs> you know, it's not like, like straight guys, there needs to be more straight guy pig bottoms. It's not like, I'm not saying like straight guys should go out and get, you know, fucked by dudes or anything, but like, just kind of, uh, you know, hang out in a dark corner at a bar and, you know, let a strange woman fuck you in the ass, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Open up your world it doesn't, it a little doesn't bit. Have, yeah, you don't have to be a gay pig bottom, you know? <laughs> All right, so you produce your own show now. Yeah. And I know you're looking into maybe doing at least one other one. What got you into that producer route? Like, why, oh, I got, why produce a show? I got fired. <laughs> I needed something I needed to do. Money. <laughs> no, actually, I. <laughs> oh yeah, like money. No, really, I'm not. Really, that's not part of it at this point. But uh, trying. Oh. Yeah, if you could figure out the mystery to that, let me know. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like every show I do, just even if I get ten dollars in tips, I've spent fifteen dollars at the bar. Oh, I know. Yeah. And I also had to get there somehow. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, I got fired, and. And that was from the coffee shop. The coffee shop, yeah. yeah so yeah, you have I all mean, these for some great reason, jokes yeah. about the coffee shop, and it was such a great place 
for your comedy. For I know, UAB. but maybe, I don't know, like maybe talking shit about your place of employment <laughs> on stages all over the city you live in, like down the street from the lake. <laughs> Somehow, I guess, I don't even know, like maybe it got back to the owner that I might not like working there so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, it's like, or your joke about not washing your hands. <laughs> you know. <laughs> maybe, who knows. We can't really say for sure. <laughs> it's just one of those you know, mysteries. <laughs> Was it really because of your comedy or other stuff? Just, no, it was, okay. I mean... I was just, like, they really, like, your manager was at a show and was like, oh my god, I can't believe this. No, I mean, she knew, and she's friends with me on Facebook, just like... Okay, so she, she yeah, so she saw you do comedy. Yeah, but I think, I think it just got too much where, I mean, I was so, like, my place gave me so much anxiety, and I think, like, I spent in the last month, like, I'd quit smoking cigarettes, and that just kind of, like, tripled my anxiety working there, so I don't know, so I think it was just... I was not hiding the fact that I didn't want to work there. So it wasn't like, it was just kind of this mutual, you know, no like resentment about it. He was just like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have you work here anymore. And he kind of paid me not to go to work there. (laughs) That's cool at least. So I, I mean, so I was, uh, at that, so other Xander, Xander Forrest, uh, went to meet him for a drink. I was like, Hey, I got fired. Let's go get drunk. And he was like, yep. And we were going to meet at the Phoenix, and he said someone was being creepy at him there, so so like, we went across. I explain to everybody, because not everyone that listens oh, yeah. to this is oh. in New Orleans, and I I would love to explain the Phoenix, but I've never been allowed upstairs, so... Oh. Uh, <laughs> the Phoenix is a gay bar, and I love it. It's great. It's one of my favorite bars, and it's you know, just kind of dark, you know, pool tables, smoking out back, and then, like, upstairs is a gentleman's only, and there's... Uh, some pornographic cinemas playing and, and there's a swing <laughs> and you can kind of do what you want in another bar up there but uh so it's you know it's kind of fun <laughs> it's like i don't know it's kind of fun <laughs> it's kind of fun only it's like medium of, fun you know from what i remember they have a store there's a store you can get clothes at <laughs> really yeah there's this you haven't been in there no Oh, yeah. No, you can get uh, clothes, <laughs> accessories, accessories, poppers. <laughs> yeah, but so, and then across the street is Bar Mags where I have my show. So, yeah, so Xander, we we're going to meet at the Phoenix, and it was like, oh, someone was creeping on him, so he went across the street. This bar that, you know, I'd, you know, I'd been there a bunch, you know, I'd been there mostly for poetry things, and uh, they got a cute stage or whatever, and we're just sitting there having a drink, and the owner happened to be there, and Xander was like, hey, what do you think about having a comedy show here? And we start, and the owner's like, yeah, I'll interested in do it. And he goes and gets his schedule. And we're like, you know, we kind of figured after the Tuesday nights, like doing it after Redux, Mike wouldn't be stepping on anyone's toes and we could do it then. See how respectful the New Orleans scene is. Like, yeah. Even when we yeah. start a new show. Because I know I had a mic that tanked um, and I made sure that it was at a time earlier than other mics that night and also contacted everybody who had a mic that yeah. night being like, hey, I'm telling people if they come to mine and they want to go to yours, they can sign up early i'll put them up you know right away like yeah we're yeah. so good no, about i did the that. same thing i did the same because like because i love redux and i love johnia and russ and then and damien that own the place and i love the people that run the mic young and funny and so yeah no i went and i i talked to kyle and johnia and was just like so we kind of have this mic that we want to start but we're going to do it after like we're yeah. going to start it at 10 <laughs> so like and everyone can still go to Redux and then still come to ours after. And, you know, I don't, I really don't want to be stepping on your toes. You know, like, I love this place and I love this mic. And they were, like, super cool with it. And, you know, like, and what was it? 
We sidetracked, but where we sidetracked? Yeah, I'll okay. Start. So yeah, yeah, so yeah, so the owner was just like, yeah, so yeah, we figured. So it was really just meeting there to have my like, I just got fired. Let's get drunk, drink, and then we're like, we're both named Xander, and we're both queer people, and we both do comedy. Why don't we? You know, he was my best friend, and I say was because he moved away. He's still, you know, he's, yeah, but he's, he's still your he's best still friend. Exists. He still, still has there. a piece of your heart. You know, you know. Yeah, so we hosted that, so Xander and Xander, that was why we called it the XX Comedy Show, because it's Xander and Xander. You know, I never put that together. I was, no. like, I was like, oh, I love the XX, like, as a woman, like, yeah. this is a great idea. Well, because, <laughs> and now I'm like, oh my god, that makes so much sense that you're yeah. named Xander with an X. I mean, so we co-hosted the show for one week, and then he was like, I'm moving. <laughs> Very far. <laughs> to California, so... It's cool that it's at Mags, though, too, because I don't know, you probably know, but Mags, it's this bar in Elysian Fields in New Orleans, like a little outside of the French Quarter, and it used to be a bar called Charlene's, uh, which was a lesbian bar, and they actually have a plaque outside um, saying that it's Charlene's, and the owner makes sure to keep a picture of Charlene up, but for a long time, it was a lesbian bar that, you know, everyone knew to go to, and it was a safe space for for queer people, so they've tried to keep it that way, and they do a lot of queer shows, so I, I think it's cool that... You know, you guys are hosting a mic there and trying to bring that. Yeah, I'm trying to make it, you know, like, I'm always trying to encourage more, like, because it seems like, you know, like, I I know we were talking earlier about, yeah, like, being the only gay comics on the scene. I mean, there's... There's more now, which is, like, it's so great. Like, I feel, like, I was even at a mic yesterday, and there was a gay comic who was hilarious, and I actually was a creeper and just added him on Facebook. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I was like, you're amazing. Maybe I can get you on my one of my shows. But I, I love seeing that. You know, I love seeing yeah. so many people, not only be queer, but be queer on stage, you know, and talk yeah. about those experiences and have good audience experiences. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, it's, and I see different queer people like that, you know, they try it, and they're good. You know, it's just like, it's really, you know, if you don't, your first time is always hard. Like, it's always painful. It's, it's like sex. <laughs> it's always, you, know. hey, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You're going to be awkward as fuck. You're I had the right around. partner, so I was really, you know, <laughs> I, was, I was emotionally ready for it. <laughs> you know, it's like, Do you worry so. about being, like, typecast or, like, uh, pigeonholed as, like, oh, there's Xander, he's a queer comic? Uh, you know, if it gets me booked, then who cares? <laughs> <laughs> who cares? But, you know, like, what I worry about sometimes, like, if I go to, like, New York or something, like, it, are my, like, edgy queer jokes, am I suddenly kind of, like, basic, you know, if I go to a bigger scene? A lot of people told me that, like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's nothing basic about your jokes. Yeah. I, I just worry about that because, you know, like, I host a queer podcast and a queer show and a lot of my comedy is about me being a lesbian mm-hmm. or my coming out or whatever it is. And and I've worried about that so much, but then I can't also can't stop, like, writing comedy about that because it's such a big vein in my life, you know, yeah. such a big theme running through my life and that will continue to run through my life. Because it's way easier once you have a topic to, like, it's way easier to write material if you have a bit than, like, to add to it. And then so, because... And that's, sometimes it's all you, you know, like you want to try something new and you just come up with this one line in this bit you've done a million times. And so you have to do the whole bit, you know, like I want to be doing new material, but I got to get through this just to like lay the bricks down to get to this one line that I wrote for it. So you kind of stick with that a lot, you know, so it's, it's way easier to come up with something that's just an, an extension of what you've already done. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I don't think there's, you know, you take, you know, if a joke works, write the same joke, like. 200 different times you know like it's that's how you do like if if you write a good poem you write that's you just write the same poem in different ways like you know that's how if it works it works you know I have like my tears like 
talking about queer things is kind of my number one mm-hmm. and then I talk you know shit about work and then I talk about drugs it's like what else do you think <laughs> <laughs> well you don't talk about your home like like where you're from at all I have a whole bit about being from Los Angeles but I also feel like a lot of people especially a lot of comics it's they have a different experience they moved to LA and yeah. so they're like, oh, I just moved to L.A. and, oh, they don't feed people here and whatever. You know, it's always, like, food jokes and skinny jokes and yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. But I had, like, the reverse thing where I'm like, I'm from there and I ran away from it. And you guys are all flocking there. But I think, like, comics do that. And then I actually had, I don't remember now, but I had a really good airplane joke. But you can't talk about, like, airplane. I feel like that's, a, like, kind of a, a done topic. Yeah. Like, and then I mean, you're like, what's the deal with airplane food? Airplane and, food and lines at the post office. <laughs> no, that's, that's funny. Uh. A random memory was like the first time I ever went. First time I ever seen a comedy show, like an open mic, before like I started doing the one. The one time I'd been to one, I remember someone did a joke about lines at the post office, and I was like, "Yeah, no, I need to do this because." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, okay, if this is what's happening, yeah. but yeah, no, but it's it's also relatable. I think Uber, like a lot of people talk about Ubers now because everyone's mm-hmm. taking an Uber or Lyft yeah. or whatever, and then it's like, oh yeah, I've had these like weird Uber experiences. We'll talk about them together. I was thinking, yeah, earlier I was actually today just, like, writing, like, trying to come up with a bit about... Because I, I do kind of go into childhood a little bit. A lot of it, a lot of it just goes back to gay stuff, but... But no, I had, I had a funny bit I came up with earlier, but I can't tell you now because I have to try it on the stage. Okay, we'll um, leave a, a mystery But then, for you know, audience. maybe I'll talk about the goats, because yeah. I never did talk <laughs> about the goats on stage. Yeah, and the goat and the dog grazing. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's cute, funny. I know you said you act, you play piano, you do stand-up, you produce... Like, you do so many things, but, like, ideally... If someone was like, here's all the money and all the access to everything you want, like, what are you going to do with it? Oh, God. You know, like, some goals I've had is, you know, I really want to get into sketch and film. And, you know, I love, you know, like, performing is like, that's the biggest, you know, like, the biggest thing is, like, why I focus more on, it's just, like, the rush of performing and, and that, like, that that side of it is why I focus more on that than, like, you know, page writing. Because even poetry, like, the poetry I write is very, you know, I perform it. It's not like slam, but like I, I, I love bringing it on stage. Yeah, I don't know. Like I eventually want to go to New York and, you know, see what I can do with it. I'll, I'll, I think I'll know when I'm ready. Yeah, I guess I don't think more too much about, you know, like when's the next mic. <laughs> you, know, you know, tonight I have to go host a show. Yeah, so like, that's, I you know, have to host a show in an hour. But, you know, I love it. You know, And why I love comedy is just like, it does, it takes a lot of, my personality and, and let, lets me become way more of it you know like it's helped me in such a way of taking all my weirdness that it's <laughs> that makes me kind of a strange person and kind of like alienates me from the world but but then once being able to take that and just like show it on stage and then people like listening and laughing and people coming up and saying how funny it was like that's like the best like like me taking these things that I was kind of bullied for you know growing up and then and creating this kind of like awesome performance out of it it's just you know it's such a wonderful thing and, the, and it, I think it takes the same skills as you know writing poetry or it's poetry but it's funny it's also cool to relate like when you're like I feel like a stranger to everybody I feel like nobody relates to me and then you get on stage and perform and people relate to it yeah, even if it's not their experience yeah. Yeah. And I'll, also, I'll say this like I said I've known you for a couple of years now since you've moved to New Orleans and 
I've seen your confidence grow so much on stage and I've seen you take like a lot of risks in your comedy that have paid off and I just love seeing like I feel like you even talked a little quieter when you first started yeah and now you know you're projecting more and you're like it like not just your voice but like yourself yeah like, you're getting way more comfortable and it's it's a really beautiful thing to see yeah no and I and I know that about myself and I and like I can sure tell because <laughs> <laughs> you feel it yeah you know. it feels good mm-hmm. it's fucking good all right, well, thank you so much, Xander, for taking time well, out. thanks for having me. Uh, if y'all want to stay tuned, we're going to play a clip from one of Xander's performances. All right, thank you, Xander. Thank you. How y'all sexy motherfuckers doing tonight? Woo! <laughs> very well with my name. It's Xander Billick. It kind of sounds like... It kind of sounds like Sandra Bullock. <laughs> um, I normally sleep on the top bunk. <laughs> a few days ago, I decided to change it up, and I slept on the bottom bunk. I'm still kind of sore. <laughs> I am talking about anal sex, by the way. It'd be weird if I wasn't. Who's this guy's like 30s talking about where he likes to sleep at night? It'd be a weird creative choice for me. <laughs> Sometimes when I get home from work, I'm just really tired and I don't even make it to bed. I just fall asleep on the sofa. That's the joke. <laughs> no, I got I got a dick in my butt. That's so I'm kind of gay like that. I know it's hard to tell I'm gay because I'm filthy. <laughs> and I'm normally a top, but you got you got a bottom once in a while to stay in practice. It's just like useful skill to have. You know? Like I only like to enjoy bottoming if I'm like really in love, you know. <laughs> I fall in love way too easily. <laughs> it's weird the things people say when they don't know you're gay, you know. Like I checked my horoscope and it said my sexual relationships with females are gonna be particularly favorable today. It made me nervous. <laughs> I don't want to trip on anyone. <laughs> it's weird that the stars can tell all these things about our lives, but they have zero gaydar. <laughs> My coworker came up to me, he's like, I thought everyone knew I was queer, but he's like, Xander, holds the oldest girl you ever dated? <laughs> I don't know. 14. <laughs> I'm really proud of you straight people. Y'all been hooking up on Tinder. Congratulations. You finally figured it out. Give it up for yourself, straight people. Where are my straight people at? Yeah. Um, gay people have always used the internet to hook up. Like, since that's why it was invented. I don't know. Like, um, like, I had to. I grew up gay in the country in the middle of nowhere. The only other gay guy. Yeah. Great. <laughs> The only other gay guy around for miles was my little brother. <laughs> and he's so not my type. <laughs> but uh, when when straight people would ask me about like hooking up with guys online, first I first I would always have to lie about where I met guys at first, you know, like. 
Oh, what you need? Oh, the supermarket? <laughs> I had like really good supermarket game for a while. But, uh, I'd be like, oh, you meet guys online? That's, that just seems really creepy. Well, yeah, that's part of the fun. <laughs> like the number of times I've hooked up with a guy online. And then the number of times it's been fun, and the number of times it's been creepy. But then like fun and creepy is kind of the window you're trying to go for. <laughs> A couple weeks ago though, I, I went home with this guy from Grindr, and it was kind of creepy, it was. I went over there, we banged it out, I slept in his bed. I woke up in the morning and he was gone. He wasn't in bed with me, and I got up and I was looking for my clothing, and I couldn't find them. They were gone. Where are my clothes? He's not here, my clothes aren't here, I can't leave, because I'm bare-ass naked. What do you do? And I looked around, and then I finally found my clothes. And they were on a chair, and they were folded. <laughs> he had tidied them. <laughs> mother coming over, what's going on? <laughs> and then I go to put my clothes on, and I realized they were clean. <laughs> he washed them. I was creeped out, that's kind of creepy to me. <laughs> I'm gonna keep fucking him. <laughs> Until all my clothes are gone. <laughs> it's easier than going to Melba's. Like, <laughs> what I thought the weirdest part was, though, was how can you be so tidy, such a neat freak, but he still wanted me to come in his ass? Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Houses where people live, you know? Y'all have coffee. I've seen it. You know? But what I do is I perform a service. I like performing a service for people. And that service usually involves uh, when people have their laptops out and they get up to go use the bathroom, I run over to their computer and to whatever they're working on and take penis, 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 penis. <laughs> and then I go on their Facebook and I make them gay. <laughs> Which, there is a communist gay agenda, you know, we are trying to recruit, we're just not that good at it. That's all we got. Um, I just, there's, there's some problems with my work, you know, like uh, some people call them um, customers. They know I'm talking about some of y'all, but like right now, y'all aren't customers. You're the audience people and you're wonderful, give it up for yourselves. <laughs> Just customers are a problem because sometimes they uh, they have complaints like uh, about thing they complain about things they have zero control over you know like my attitude 
Bugs in the quiche. You can't complain to the racist about bugs in your quiche, right? It's New Orleans. They were born there. <laughs> Typing penis, 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 penis into their homework. Like, I have to. I can't help it. A customer will be like, oh, I'm so, I, I felt really bad about this, though. Like, like I felt really bad. This customer asked for a drink, and I put it in a to-go cup, and she was, she's like, oh no, she's like, I wanted that for here. And I just felt so bad. <laughs> but I had to explain to her, like, but I want you to leave. <laughs> and that's the time they go. Thank you to our sponsor, Scissor Sisters Salon. Need a haircut but are tired of those frou-frou straight people salons? Hate it when you ask for the Justin Bieber and get the suburban housewife instead. Want a salon that understands you and your hair needs? Come on down to Scissor Sisters Hair Salon. We have everything to make your haircut experience great. Relax as Melissa Etheridge tunes fill your ears. We have all the popular do's. The Ellen, the shaved underneath, the shaved side, the I want to be Ruby Rose, and of course, the I want to be with Ruby Rose, Scissor Sister Salon. Thank you to our guest, Sandra Billick, for sharing his world with you. Special thanks to Jessa Fallon and Ryan Golub for your help editing and producing the show. Thanks to all our friends and supporters. You can catch Greetings from Queer Mountain live in New Orleans, Austin, and New York City. Check out our Facebook page for more information. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 